So, Hotline Miami. It came out today. And we're dating this recording, aren't we? But it came <laughs> Hotline Miami two came out today. And I'm I'm like to the third act, it's a it's really good. Is it? It was worth the wait. <laughs> Fantastic. Um I've yet to play it, so uh in fact, you know, I should probably go back and play the first Hotline Miami again. Well, it's kind of cool how they structured it because in the last game, you had this whole series of masks that you could go through and pick out what mask you want, and you would just like over time unlock them. Mm-hmm. But now, uh, you unlock masks, but there's like situations where there's only certain masks. So you'll oh. be like part of this storyline, and these masks are available to you in this part of the storyline. That's really interesting. It's almost like um, it almost sounds like something akin to like a challenge mode, almost. Yeah, it's uh, there. There are a lot more um, options in this one mm-hmm. that they really tried to see what they could do with in that system, and I think it really paid off. There's like uh, one character that I just recently played as where you can use uh, where you can actually reload stuff, mm-hmm. and you can't pick up other people's weapons. It's like a wartime situation, so you can't pick up other people's weapons like you wouldn't pick them up in war. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> So you're just like stuck with your stuff, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's really fun uh, and amazing, amazing music. <laughs> well, I always remember the music in the first game being pretty catchy. So, mm-hmm. but it's good to know that they're. I'm sorry, I'm mid eating still while yeah. I'm doing this. This is how off the cuff this podcast is. Um, but I always remember it being catchy. But no, it's good to know. Um, so this is undercooked analysis where we review video games, apparently. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and go uh, out and buy Hotline. The people who make it are really cool. That's a that's from and what more I importantly, importantly, more importantly, the people who make it uh, made a good game. That's that is the that's really the most important thing because um, if if it's not a good game, I mean, why should you play it? You know. It's like yeah, you're a nice guy, but uh, your game's shitty. <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not getting anyone anywhere. No. You know, people need to be pushed to their uh, to do be the best they can be, or else uh, you're getting those weird, um, like bizarre, like Korean iPhone games. Clearly, like just I don't know. There was a whole thing about that, or was it or was it Chinese? I don't know. The the badly translated ones that make absolutely no sense and are full of barely concealed copyright infringement. You know. Oh, remember when, uh, I don't know how much you know about TF2. Remember when, uh, there was a Chinese game that was, like, copying off TF2? No, I hadn't heard about this. Oh, it, I was in stitches when I saw it. Like, uh, every year or so, there's there's a game that comes out, and people say, w- within the TF2 community, like, oh, it's copying off Team Fortress 2. This game was blatantly copying off Team Fortress 2. <laughs> it was, they weren't even trying to hide it. It was, it was pretty bad. Oh, man. I think the only thing that would make that, um, that that's that's ridiculous. I think the only thing that could make a game like that truly entertaining or meta is if um, everybody ran around spastically while uh, Rabbids Go Home played in the background. <laughs> <laughs> the vicious cycle, the game. <laughs> oh, man. So I'll have to look that up. I'm, I'm, like, kind of curious now. I hadn't heard about that. I think it's called, like, Final Combat or something like that. That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny, too, because Team Fortress 2 has a really, really dumb name and, like, a lot of flavor in the game itself. That's true. That's true. Um, 
Team Fortress 2's flavor doesn't really have to do with fortresses nor teams so much, does it? I mean, obviously red versus blue, but like, wait, now yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's not anything like that at all. Uh, when I got the orange box, I thought that that was going to be my least favorite thing, and it ended up being a major suck in my life. Mm-hmm. I played that game entirely too much. See, it's so funny. That's like the opposite for me, just because it is as uh, competitive as it is. So, like, I'm not a comp- for people listening. I'm not a competitive gamer by uh, by any means. I'm more of a co-op person. So that's why for me, when playing um, like Valve centric games, I became really enamored with Portal Two and their their co-op. What about uh, Left 4 Dead? Oh, I love Left 4 Dead. Yeah, it's, it's a I damn see- shame that the matchmaking in that is so garbage. Yeah, it really. Just killed that community. Oh, definitely. Uh, plus, the other thing that makes it hard is, like, you're trying to, like, I, I will get in a game with, you know, people when it's just people versus zombies, and that's fine. But when it's, like, you can change sides and actually actively be the um, the infected, uh, no one gives you a chance to get used to it. If you, like, no. are trying to figure the game out, people start insulting you, and then they kick you. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty... Uh unfortunately toxic community which is it's really garbage because it's a great game yeah it is it really is and it's really fun to be like hiding behind a thing and then to like jockey someone and start you know humping the back of their head or whatever Mm -hmm. oh yeah you know like this just (laughs) that and and no one can just uh deal with losing in that game yeah because it's like uh it's like football where you have offense and defense and you know in a football game like it's not like that uncommon for you to be seven points down and then catch up. Mm-hmm. That's that's not the biggest uh, problem in the world. And so people playing that game will get super discouraged when they see like, oh, it's 630. It's like, no, you can recover from that in that game. Yeah, exactly. And plus, like, you know, lo- if you're going to lose, lose with dignity, for God's sake. Like, come on, be, be a good sport. You know what's a head trip? Competitive what? Left for Dead. I don't even know if I want to go it into is, competitive Left 4 Dead. <laughs> like, I've I've watched a little bit of it. It's a little bit of a mindfuck, because the game is pretty random yeah. for a competitive game. <laughs> you, you, you're you giving me all these things to look at now. You know that, right? Maybe maybe anybody listening to this. By the way, this intro has gone on for a long time. Maybe mm-hmm. we should. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll see how much actually gets kept in. So, um, well, except my whole... Uh, my whole prerogative with this podcast is to not edit it as much as possible. That's the whole thing. This is this is as this is undercooked analysis, where the analysis is maybe just about as undercooked as what we read. But sometimes we read really good stuff. So who knows? I'm probably a little overdressed for this situation then, because I got I got cliff notes and shit. <laughs> well, you like know I'm, what? I shoot I'm going to be hip. going in there deep. I shoot from the hip. What can I say? That's fine. We can. We we we'll have uh, we'll have you all prepped and me just kind of sitting here making an ass of myself. Speaking of which, who are your handsome hosts? Well, I am David King, and I am the man behind the curtain of Midnight Marinera. Um, I'm surprised. I'd be surprised, as I always say every podcast. I'm surprised if you don't know me already because I'm in everything, and I do everything. I wear many hats, and um, all at once. Speaking of Team Fortress Two, oh, <laughs> hat simulator. <laughs> There you go. And uh, with me is uh, my very special guest, a uh, the man, the myth, the legend, the acetone mixer. You want to introduce yourself? Uh, I'm I'm the skeletons under your bed because there's no more room in your closet. 
I'm I'm the last possible reality check before you dive headfirst into an attempted mass shooting, ending with only one fatality. I'm uh, the anomaly that arises that uh, hammers down all the other anomalies. You can call me uh, Brandon or Richard or Rasmus or Tony or Aubrey or even Graham, but Dead Palette is the pseudonym I've chosen for myself. (laughs) That was... um... Was that cliff noted as well? Did you come with No, 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 yes. <laughs> I approve, regardless. Um, I, I just I just kind of uh, flurf all... I don't know. Just kind of flurf. Flurf. All, flurf. I flurf all over the flurf. place when I do... Yeah, there you go. It's like, a, it's like a brand of soda you might hear about in a cartoon. We could talk about Gravity Falls, I suppose, but that's something else entirely anyway. <laughs> and and if that even would qualify as creepypasta, it, it, it might not, but there, there are certainly qualities of it. It deals with that subject. No, I, I just mentioned that because further dating this episode, they had the, uh, the big uh, mid-season like crazy reveal episode today, and that blew my, my mind. But no, don't spoil anything. I've only seen uh, Northwest Manor Noir, so then I won't say anything. Instead, I think we'll move on. Um, so um, <laughs> um, tonight we have op- uh, Dead Palette and I have opted to take a look at a, I guess a relatively well-known creepypasta. How well is this one known? I'd say it's pretty well known. It's um, it certainly isn't within the the mainstream like. It, it would make the top ten, I'd think. Yeah, I guess it's, so. it's not the one that people go to, but it's it's one everyone knows of, mm-hmm. I'd say. Yeah, well, if people know their creepypasta, they might know this one. It's called uh, Barbie.avi. And, um, and this is an interesting one because um, part of the reason we decided to pick this one is because, partly because of its reputation and partly because of what we want to say about how it um contributes to the idea of creepypasta. Yeah, it's a, it's um even though this is very loosey goosey, this is gonna be probably a little bit more targeted than a lot of the other ones. Because mm-hmm. I think we both have something that we really want to say here about this one and uh why it deserves to be well known. Definitely. Um as is already really apparent I'm eating food as I talk. Um, it's already really apparent as well. This is one I actually um, have read before and kind of like. And um, as is um, as as uh, Dead Palette. So um, uh, we want to delve into this one and kind of explain why uh, as we go through it, reread it, and explain why this one deserves to, the attention it does. So. Um, as is often the case, we will switch off uh, paragraphs here, although some of these paragraphs are really short, so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll go, do you, uh, you want to start or shall I? Uh, yeah, I'll start it off. Okay. okay, you'll get a few short paragraphs to begin with then. <laughs> yeah, okay, so. Um, hello, uh, this thing happened to me a few months ago, and I just need to share it with somebody. All it right. all started when my, it all started at my friend's party. He's an artist who rented out a loft in the industrial part of town. If you can picture a place like Detroit look like in the 1920s, that's what this area looked like. A bunch of old turn-of-the-century factories crammed into ten blocks. Most of them are abandoned. 
so I partied a little too hard that night and decided to crash on the couch at the loft. I woke up around 4 a.m. The sun wasn't out yet, but you could still make out the dim blue light. I just went to the bathroom, carefully tiptoeing around the people that were passed out on the floor. As I was taking a piss, I tiptoed into the bathroom window. Uh, I tiptoed to look out the bathroom window and saw a panorama of deserted urban decay. She came in through the bathroom window. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, right off the bat, I have some stuff I need to say about this. Let go for it. Um, hold on. I remember how much I like places like this. It's so dark and devoid of life and strangely serene. So like the, the first, you know, sentence of this, the hello, this happened to me a few months ago. It's very, very generic. Yeah. But very, very personal. I think that's part of why it works, because one thing that um, I know we've talked about before, just in our personal conversations, is uh, the fact that a good creepypasta, or a lot of older creepypasta, did try to really set themselves up as being believable, you know? Like, this might have actually happened. Yeah, this... Um... The fact that this opens in such a kind of candid, almost blasé kind of manner, like, it does... Like It's like you just said, it's it's generic, but you also get the impression that this is just... This just feels like someone just writing about an experience they had. Yeah, you're really, um, you feel like when you're reading this, you've stumbled upon someone's relatively uninteresting blog. Mm -hmm. But immediately we're, we're getting some imagery, uh, some very vivid, uh, vivid pictures. Very, it's very visual, mm -hmm. very visual writing. Um, but it's, it's hinting that this very boring thing is going to turn into something. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you the... got a, just little bits there and, and it's not overwhelming. It's, it's just when you're, you're nosing the wine right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great way to put it too. <laughs> yeah. The, the way I see it, I even just think that sentence, I remembered how much I liked places like this. It was so dark and devoid. Like, I, I think that's, that's a good mood. Like even everything is setting the mood really nicely. And, um, you can, yeah, you can picture this area pretty clearly. Um, and, and the fact that it's very established where what kind of imagery we're working with really benefits it later on. Mm -hmm. I don't want to get into a, why I think it does that. We're going to take it bit by bit. But there's a very good reason why you want to have a strong image up front for this story. Definitely. Um Definitely, and we, yeah, we will touch on that a, a little bit further in. So um, I'll take the uh, I'll take the next three paragraphs. Okay. All right. So I went back to the couch and tried to fall asleep. After 45 minutes of staring at the ceiling, I decided I didn't want to be there any longer. So I swallowed my pride and decided to wake my girlfriend up to beg her for a ride, since walking around the vacant streets at this time is not an option. Being an awesome girlfriend, she was totally cool with it and told me she would be there about in about half an hour and that she would give me a call when she was outside. My phone died ten minutes later, so I decided I would sit by the window and watch for her car. I sat there for a while, and my eyes started getting heavy, and I began to doze off. A crashing noise outside woke me up. It wasn't loud, but just enough to snap me into reality. I looked out the window and scanned the area, but didn't see anything. Across the street from the loft, near a mountain of garbage bags on one of those enormous dumpsters, I see a computer and a monitor smashed against the floor that hadn't been there before. When my girlfriend arrived, I went downstairs and greeted her. Just, just as I was about to get in the car, I remembered a friend of mine who had blown out his power supply. So I decided to walk over to the dumpster and see what I could salvage. 
The monitor was worthless, but the tower seemed to have suffered almost no damage. So I put it in the, tr the trunk and we drove off. All right. So immediately, like after the, the whole party thing, like he's clearly walking around the house. Everyone's passed out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do here. Um, I could turn on the TV and watch daytime tell it like, what, what is he going to do here? It's like the, the magic after the party's gone. You <laughs> yeah. know that feeling when like everything that... you're all hung over and just, or it's like it's like you, I can eat to make a more innocent example. It's like it's like that time where like imagine you're at a yeah like a slumber party or a sleepover and you you're the one who wakes up first and everybody around you is passed out but you don't really want to like wake anybody else up so you're just kind of sitting there not able to fall back asleep so you just kind of take in what's going on around you because you don't and. um that evokes that. He's ha this, the author is clearly bored right now. Well, that's, yeah, it's that same feeling. Like, uh, we, you, the party's over, everybody else is, is out, and you're just kind of like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to, like, just put on the antenna TV and watch, like, maybe maybe Three's Company's on. I don't care to watch. I don't want to watch Free Company. I hate that yeah. song. So. <laughs> and so you're, you're put in this position of not knowing what to do. You're just kind of looking for something to entertain you. Yeah. And so something really, really stupid, like, you know, this this tower, this BC tower, mm -hmm. automatically becomes more interesting to him. Well, definitely. Plus, I like how they tie it together with sort of like, uh, why would he go and look at this tower? Well, it would be partly be boredom, plus the fact that it was just like apparently thrown out a window or whatever. Uh, but and, and there's also nothing inherently wrong with the situation. There's nothing supernatural about that but our minds immediately go to something supernatural right but it, but it is it is mundane people people drop off old people throw out old computers all the time and especially considering the area he's already described like um um there, it's it doesn't come out of it doesn't come out of left field it's like oh okay someone just junked something that that doesn't seem that that out of place and yet mm -hmm. the discerning reader is already going ah here's the catalyst mm -hmm. you know but it's it's executed very nicely. Plus, um, I got to give props to this guy's girlfriend. That is actually pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, and you also got to question why his girlfriend wasn't at the party. Probably because the, it was a oh, who, who dude knows? bro party. It was a dude bro party. It's um, you know, I would even imagine a girlfriend like, especially an awesome girlfriend, going to if it was like a land party. But no, it doesn't. It doesn't even sound like a land party. It's just like some. It's just kind of people drinking and. Probably, you know, all sorts of shenanigans that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, I believe you're up to bat. All right. About a week had passed and I completely forgot about the tower until my girlfriend called me to let me know that it was still in her trunk and that she wanted it out. That night I brought it home. Before I took it apart, I decided to hook it up to my monitor to see if it still ran. To my surprise, it did. It ran Windows XP and it looked like it had been wiped clean. I decided to search for words like, tits and pussy in hopes of finding some stash of uh, full of weird deviant porn the previous owner had forgotten about. Deviant morbid curiosity. <laughs> yeah. Morbid curiosity, I guess. Since uh, search came up, nothing. Search for picture files, nothing. Then I searched the movies and one file came up. Uh, it was an AVI, uh, it was a .avi inside the folder titled Barbie, hidden in the Windows System 32 directory. Um, so I played with it, 
Now this is where it gets disturbing. It gets disturbing. Okay, so dun, dun, here's dun. where here's where the story, which I absolutely love, has some problems. Um, <laughs> deviant porn, tits and pussy, like that's that's deviant. Um, you know, I'm. I hadn't thought about may, that, but yeah. Maybe my mind is much sicker than most people, but I think that like tits and pussy are pretty like standard parts of human anatomy. They're just uh the I, there are obviously more anatomically correct names for these, but yeah, like that doesn't evoke to mind anything that would I would class as deviant porn. Unless, like I said, the part of reason I, I chimed in with deviant porn is like think about someone who doesn't really understand porn and then logs into deviant art and looks at like tastefully and not so tastefully done stuff of like maybe pseudo naked people doing yeah. things. And then I'm like, that's more like risque. So like, but no, when, when someone's putting stuff like this in, you're like, okay, so deviant porn, really? Huh. Yeah. And it doesn't take a lot of imagination to come up with something that would be deviant, you know? Yeah. And, which is, you know, um, somewhere down the line, we're going to touch on another uh, creepypasta that does have to do with quote-unquote deviant porn. But um, that's but um, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, and so, that, you know, that always just kind of struck me as weird. Um, no, I agree with you. Like, I hadn't really thought about it until you brought it up, but I'm looking at it and going, yeah, that does seem a little weird. Um, and, and that's the thing is creepypasta was designed, you know, around like the X board on 4chan. It was designed around hypercritical assholes. And <laughs> yeah. so, and so if it's supposed to be believable, it has to hold up under that kind of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. And so as a metric for, is this a good creepypasta? You have to ask yourself, how realistic are they being here? Right. Or, or how believable is, you know, this kind of thing. Right. And I can just see someone posting this and immediately, you know, on 4chan saying, you know, really, what is that? You're, you know, much more snarkier than I'm saying, but like, that's deviant to you? Like, uh, yeah. Nub, what lot rock are you living under? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so I played it. Now, this is where it gets disturbing. That line, I don't, I also don't care for. It's like describing a horror that hasn't come yet. So instead of it's saying a horror instead of describing it, you know? Right, right. And it's like there was this very strange thing that happened. It's like no, ex- ex- explain it. And if it's strange, <laughs> I'll you know say that it's strange. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's trying to hurry along uh, this adventure that's happening. Yeah, which is on which I doesn't really need to happen. Just kind of let it no. unfold, you know. Like, obviously, the story's got us. We're interested, so... Yeah, if you're this far, you're probably going to read it, which is yeah. uh, kind of a meta thing, because that's what's happening with the story here, is this person <laughs> This person is also in, uh, wrapped up in the story, and they're not leaving either. Oh, yeah. Um, no, this is, this, is, this is good so far, though. So far, so good. I mean, apart from these little mm-hmm. caveats, that's, uh, there's not many strikes against this, so... No, no. So, uh, all right, I'll 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 go next, I suppose. Okay. We're doing this like normally. Normally, when I do these, they're a little bit even more ping pongish. Like it's like paragraph by paragraph they switch off. But I kind of like that we're doing this in chunks. Mm-hmm. So I'll do the next three then. So um, okay. 
the movie was about an hour long and was made up of what seemed like raw exported footage. The footage was of this woman sitting on a chair and talking against a white backdrop. I skipped through most of movie. I skipped through most of movie. Typo. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm. And it was all the same continuous shot. Then I decided to sit through the footage to find out what she was talking about. Fifteen seconds into the footage, the audio goes completely bad, and her voice is drowned in harsh static slash background noise. I couldn't make out a thing. That's disappointing. Anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get why it kind of needs to be done, but I always kind of thought, mm, it's always a little bit of a cop-out when stuff like that happens, you know? But it, it has some mystique at the same time, but, like, you gotta wonder. Th- there's also this... I can see why you're being critical of it, but there's also... Well, I'm a sound guy. It's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So, like, um, th- that aspect of it doesn't bother me so much because... It's a little thing. It doesn't really bother me that much. I'm just going to put it's, that it's, out there. Yeah, but it's very much so tied into when YouTube became around and Creepypasta started to move off of, you know, anonymous message boards and onto sites like YouTube and stuff and video and, and sound became a bigger part of it. Yeah. That, that was a major thing that creepypasta makers went to. Right. That's true. I just, you know, at this point I'm, I'm put, I'm trying to remind myself that this, there was a time and place when this story was written and, uh, the um, people have piggybacked off this idea that, oh, we didn't know what was going on because of static slash background noise. Uh, mm-hmm. And you, when done poorly, uh, that's a bad thing. Here, it doesn't detract much, honestly. Like, it, I guess it adds to the mystique, you know? So actually, I should go to the next paragraph before I really uh, get into it, because it says, uh, so I imported the footage into Final Cut and tried to mess with the levels to isolate her voice. It helped a little, but I still couldn't hear what she was saying. I was intrigued now, and I began to really pay attention to her face and body language. It seems that she's being asked some kind of questions, because she stops at times to listen and then continues talking. About 15 minutes into the footage, her face begins to redden and contort as if the questions are bothering her, but she continues to answer them anyway. Shortly after, she begins to cry. She sobs hysterically for the duration of the film. One of the few words I could lip-read was skin. She repeats this word many times throughout the footage, and at one point she even pulls at the skin from her arm and mouths the word. She seems to be unhappy with her skin. Oh, I love that. That's really, that is really disconcerting, and I love it. Yeah, so before he was mentioning morbid curiosity, and I kind of wish that he hadn't, because he's, he's making us morbidly curious. He doesn't need to say that. No, it's, it's I happening. think you could have just said curia. I mean, just take the morbid off and you're fine. Yeah. So we are curious because the author is curious. Mm-hmm. Now, is this a good thing or a bad thing? What do you think? I that, mean, how, we're, that we're curious because the author is curious? Yeah, so he's curious. Does that automatically make you curious or, you know, how, how do you feel about that? Well... I don't even know if he had to mention that part of it. I think we're, like I said, I think we're hooked in from the get-go. We know, we kind of know as people who understand narrative, or I think basically human understanding of narrative has that we have our uh, our MacGuffin, which is this computer. This mm-hmm. is the item we're focusing on. It, it hits there, and we know there's something juicy on there. We already know there's something that's on there that's going to be the caveat for the rest of this story. It's in the title. So... 
I don't even know if we needed need the author's curiosity to make us curious. The fact that the author goes into it is like, you know, if we were in the author's shoes, we would do the same thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the, that's the thing is uh, I could very easily see how someone who um, doesn't really like who who doesn't understand the medium of or, or the genre of creepypasta would pull that apart and say, you know, wh- why do we have to be cur- like this is a very mundane thing. Why do we have to be curious about this? Mm-hmm. But if you come from the mindset of like understanding the genre, then you're you're you are hooked. Right. Well, I don't even think it's necessarily a genre thing too, because if if you got a, if you have a good enough if you have a good enough hook, in general, it's gonna make people curious anyway. Um, and I think to a degree it works here. I just think that maybe in in a couple small ways the author is overselling it. Mm-hmm. I think because that he... that's the thing that a lot of creepypasta artists really blow is just they they really want to sell you on something. This is really creepy. You should listen to this because mm-hmm. it's really creepy. One of the reasons I like this story is because it opens in such a, in just such a kind of mundane way. It's like I have some shit on my chest. Need to get it off. <laughs> like that's, I need that's to decompress. Gross. You should like you know like not allow the Cleveland steamer thing to happen. <laughs> no, I, that, that doesn't, I'm, I'm always under the coffee table. So, <laughs> but <laughs> there, there's deviant porn for you. Oh, there you go. See, exactly. Like, I don't even, ugh. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's move okay. on. Let's move on. So, uh, what's happening here is, is almost like cosmic horror, but on a personal level. Which I know defeats the purpose of cosmic horror, but the idea that you're seeing something and not understanding it, you you can't fully grasp it yet. All we have to go on is that there's an interview. We we can deduce this, and that she doesn't that she's saying skin. Now he's making the author's making an assumption that she's unhappy with her skin. That and, is that is his assumption, yeah. Well, and that's that's not a bad thing. That's that's just him like postulating. That's it's very. It's a very unsettling sentence, even in itself. Just she, she seems, seems to be unhappy with her skin. With her skin. It's yeah. great, uh, but we don't know what it is. Whether it's like ripping skin, insecurities about her skin, a thing made of skin. It's like as terrible as your mind can be. I think that's that. Yeah, that's there's definitely from a horror from a horror standpoint that is a really good uh, way to set it up. But because um, I think it was. Um, um, and I'll get into this a little bit because uh, this story is a good example of this. But you know uh, the uh, Hitchcock's analogy that nothing is scarier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is one of my. Uh, that is the, when I try to write my own fiction, I try to uh, play off that as much as possible because I kind of agree. This the less is more in the case of this story. It, it tantalizes less just is, Less is more in the case of creepypasta. Oh yeah, well, in creepypasta in general, and we're gonna—I mean, like I said, we'll we'll get we'll get to we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get to it because I I'm mm. looking forward to that discussion. <laughs> but yeah. I want to make sure we're still working through the uh, working through the story. So, uh, uh, DP, you wanna you wanna take take the next bit? Oh, I bumped the microphone. <laughs> yep. Um. There's much more. Uh, there's much more I have to get off my chest. But it's getting late, and I can't go on. I will share the rest tomorrow. God save my soul. A little bit overbearing, but God, again, oh God. We're, we're, we're forgiving this guy for yeah, yeah. these sorts of things. Um, because cause overall, this, the story just works. 
Yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't need to be in tip top formula shape. No, um, because I mean, what do you expect from people randomly submitting stuff to the internet? And the, and yeah, and that's I can forgive it. The yeah. idea. Um, it kept on building and building, and about forty minutes in, she's crying so hard she can barely look at the camera. She stops talking, and at this point, the rest of the footage is just her crying with her head down. Oddly enough, she doesn't get up or move. The screen just fades to black. I was fucking dumbfounded. Oh, that's a good line. See, that's an informal line that's amazing. Yeah. You know how great the word uh, dumbfounded is? I just, I'm just, I like it. I like it a lot. It's a great <laughs> sentence enhancer. So is fucking. And so I was fucking, fucking dumbfounded. So was, that is, that alone is a great sentence. I was fucking dumbfounded. Like, uh, it's a, it, it assures us that we can't have the full story because the author doesn't have the full story either. It's okay, folks. I'm just as confused as you are. Mm-hmm. And you, and yeah, you're, you're, you're as, you're as intrigued as I am, but at the same time, you're never going to get the full picture. And I love that. Yeah. He, this person really knows how to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I played the whole thing through many times that night trying to find inflections and nuances in her movement that would reveal anything else about what was going on. I felt so dissatisfied. I wanted to know more. That's when I noticed there were about ten more minutes left on the timeline after the screen went to black. And about two of those minutes were more footage. There was there were more. Blah. I, I, blah. It's, it's all right. This is where everyone finds out that I'm actually illiterate. And about two <laughs> minutes in there was more footage. Uh, the footage was extremely shaky, almost unwatchable, and depicted a pair of legs walking along train tracks. My guess is that the camera was accidentally left on as it was being carried somewhere. The person in the footage walks along the train tracks for about six minutes and then turns into the forest and walks over what looked like uh, foliage flattened by a piece of plywood. The person continues on this makeshift plywood road until the movie clip ends. And okay, then, so and then and then inadvertently he runs into the cast of Stand by Me, <laughs> but, right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. That's exactly where my mind went to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's Corey Feldman's uh, there, and it's like awkward. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just killed any tension, but that's my goal. Any... <laughs> right. Okay. So he's he's saying here that he's dissatisfied. He's dissatisfied. We're dissatisfied, and that, and that again is something that I think isn't a bad thing in creepypasta. No, you don't want to be sated. No, you don't. You want to always be be guessing. You, you ever get like um? Sometimes I feel this way when I'm sick. Like you ever get an itch that feels like it's inside you? Oh, it's the f- fucking worst. That's what creepypasta is. <laughs> is that yeah. it's like how oh, this place inside my it's not the skin on my back it's like inside me and i can't itch it it's this like it's this weird it's 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 different when you when or this is just true of horror in general when you get to when good horror gives you this little this little tingle this gnaw in you and it makes you just i wouldn't say nervous but and maybe it doesn't even stick with you right away like when you finish the story but later it'll just kind of resurface in the back of your head like why will the story not leave me? Right, exactly. Like it just it just it sticks with you. Mm-hmm. It sticks with you. Um in here where was that? Oh, there's a lowercase m at the beginning of 
my guess is that the camera blah blah blah. What, uh, again, my, minor spelling mistakes yeah. lends credibility to like you understand what's being said there. Yeah, see, in in, in a story like this, you can like. I just want to make sure that people know I'm not being a hypocrite. When we point out things like this, we're just kind of being like, and we're forgiving it. It's people will be like, Oh, why did you do that with like other stories? And like, because some of those other stories are really bad. This is intentional. This is intentional. Like, or or if not intentional, then at least it's like an over, it's like overthought. Like I, I always bring up fucking Jeff, the killer. Because Jeff you can't the killer, not. It, you it, can't not. Because Jeff the Killer is absolutely the worst, hands down. And that fucking story, like, is trying to be. I don't even know what it's trying. It's L- ladies and gentlemen. If you want to know exactly what I think about Jeff the Killer, you could become a patron of my channel, and I have the story. Um, I have the uh, unofficial undercooked analysis pilot. Um, on there, uh, you could totally pull that one up and listen to it. But all you have to do is give me a dollar a month. Or instead of doing, you know, you can do that. It's great. Thank you can you. also just watch their uh, Midnight Marinera's uh, rendition of Jeff the Killer. <laughs> and I think that will speak volumes. Yep. I will never, ever, ever hide the fact that I fucking hate Jeff the Killer. With the fiery passion of a thousand suns. And and if you like Jeff the Killer, we we don't hate you. No. We're unless just... you're over the age of 18, in which case, grow the fuck up. We might have to question your sanity a little bit. And, and by the <laughs> way, if your sanity is that deranged that you still like that, know that if uh, you attempted something like that in real life, the police would shoot you down immediately. Or, or if you think that circumstances would actually lead a, uh, you know, the, the exact circumstances would lead to that sort of form of, uh, of killer, like Frankenstein-esque origin, like, most parents are going to not, like, just hide when random bullies show up with guns. Okay, we're now we're anal- doing analysis on another story. Let's... But the reason that we're getting sidetracked with this is very important here. For contrast's sake, mm-hmm. that this is a story that uh, the, the spelling mistakes don't hinder it; they enhance it by adding to the believability. Right. This is just the some... spelling mistakes in Jeff the Killer make you realize that the person writing this is thirteen. It's the first time that they're writing; they're putting something out there to the world to, you know, not to get it critiqued, but to you know, they have this delusion in their head because they're young. They don't know that this isn't a good story. Right. <laughs> this person's spelling mistakes are either incidental in work or or purposeful. And um, and either way, it's just it's OK in this story. Either way. But works. we're burying the lead here because this is where shit gets fucking real in the story. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, so you want this is this is the rising action here. Oh, this yeah. is you want to pick up that last paragraph and then I'll I'll start yeah. with. Uh, my like, heart started beating with excitement because there were there were train tracks a few miles away that looked very similar to the ones in the video. I had to check it out. Oh fuck! So um, suddenly this investigation isn't just digital for the author. 
it's real. And that's where we're like, oh shit, he might be about to stumble into something. Us as people who understand horror are like, uh-oh. It's like, don't go in that room. Don't go in that room. We are He's screaming. In we are yelling at the screen. You idiot. There is yeah. an axe murderer or something, or at least a woman who's uncomfortable with her skin. I don't know. <laughs> Isn't that like all of them? I, I guess. I mean, I, I, vast majority. At vast least, majority. At least 75%? No. About there. Lion share. <laughs> um, but the author well, is in for a penny. uncomfortable with his skin. I mean, you know. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I, I cut you off. <laughs> I mean, you can't deny the the merits of a good exfoliation, but the author is in for a penny and in for a pound. He he can't back out now. Curiosity is going to kill this cat. Oh. Um, in the world of creepypasta, like ARGs are kind of like tangentially tied in. There are a lot of creepypasta ARG kind of deals. Yeah. And they have the terminology trailhead. Have you heard this term before? I've actually not heard this term before, and that okay, it's surprises like, me, considering how long I've been doing this now. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's more of an ARG term, less of a creepypasta one. No, I, this... I know a thing or two about ARGs, too, but I yeah. hadn't heard about Trailhead. Yeah, so this is where we're going down the rabbit hole. The, the Plywood Road is like an almost literal rabbit hole. It is a literal trailhead. Like, this is where we're going to go, and shit's going to get real. This is where we're entering the other world. You know what I mean? Yeah, this is where the this is where the klaxon goes off and the walls start peeling away. <laughs> okay, I'm, so I'm should throw I get as many the... horror allusions in there as I can? Anyway, right? right. Uh, should we? Should I start really reading the next two paragraphs? If you want, or I could take them. I, both are fine with me. All right. Uh, actually, if you don't mind, I'll take the next. I'll take the next three or four. Okay. All right. I called my friend Ezra. Extra points for having a friend named Ezra. Uh, I called my friend Ezra. He's six foot four, 250 pounds of mostly muscle. I convinced him to go on a little adventure with me. I'm no pushover myself, but I felt if I was going wandering, if I was to go wandering in the woods looking for God knows what, extra muscle couldn't hurt. This whole idea of investigating this video had me so excited I couldn't sleep. How many pounds does Ezra have? Uh, uh, continue. That's uh, you. You get uh, you fr from what from an English major to uh, you know <laughs> to you uh, extra points. Uh, some, some asshole who writes, even though that isn't what he has any expertise in. Hey, it's okay. Anybody can write. Just most people shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> the next, uh. <laughs> either you have it or you don't. Uh, the next morning, on a sunny sun Saturday. I took my flashlight, my camera, and my 7-inch kabar with a matte black finish and serrated edge and went to pick up Ezra. When I got to his house, he wasn't even awake. When I woke him, he pretty much told me to fuck off. I was already packed, and I had mentally prepared myself to do this, so I decided to go through with it without him. I parked my car at the train station, took my stuff, and hopped onto the tracks. After walking for about two hours, I saw a broken piece of plywood and my knees almost buckled with excitement. Plywood hype. Oh, yeah. I searched the nearby foliage, and there it was. A little plywood trail leading into the forest. Oh, man. He's going to find a dead body. And he's <laughs> going to poke it with a stick. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, can I just say, I love the fact that we set up Ezra, and Ezra's just like, what the fuck ever, dude? Get out of here. <laughs> but that's the thing, is... is I, 
we're we're in for a penny, we're in for a pound. So it's like, okay, if I'm doing this, I better I better have Ezra there, right? Yep. Well, he's not coming with me. Well, am I gonna not go? You know, and that's that's the point is he's not going to he he's hooked. Yeah, we're hooked. We're, we're doing hooked. this. He is not going to let the fact that um, that um, Ezra is a lazy asshole. Yeah. There's no coitus interruptus here. Yeah. Now, you have to wonder if, do you think not, just this, just, uh, uh, this is just for fun. Do you think if he had shown Ezra the video, that might have piqued his curiosity too? Hmm. You got to wonder, in an alternate universe, would Ezra have gone with, and would they have become some sort of weird mystery team... Would they eventually have adopted a dog that could talk and traveled around in a groovy van unmasking criminals? I mean, a kid I can't, can dream, I can't, can't, can't. My, my thing here is I can't think of anything funny to go with that. <laughs> I got so then nothing. I, then, I, then, I did, then I succeeded. I, I want to put my attempt at you were, you, back in my pocket. You were fucking dumbfounded. <laughs> I was fucking dumbfounded. <laughs> Anyway, boss, uh, I think it's your turn. You get you get the meaty pet. You get the meaty portions. Uh, real fast though, anyone who knows me and and knows like what I think about creepy pasta, there's this little known literary effect. It's called the Fleming effect. Mm. That paragraph, those two paragraphs, had it out the ass. The you know we're talking about Ezra, his height. He's mostly muscle. Why do we need to know this shit? Because it's making this character real. Mm-hmm. Why are we talking about the knife? Why are we talking about, you know, is, why are we going on about this stuff? That is very important in Creepypasta because it gives you it gives you a grounding in reality. So then when the weird freaky shit starts happening, then you have at least a sense, you have at least a springboard for your uh, disbelief. This is just some random asshole making a blog post. Mm-hmm. Why would he have reason to lie? Exactly. Why is he lying about it? He wouldn't. This is real. It's got you know? to be real. It's got to be real. All right. So. <laughs> um, um, if you want to know more about the Fleming effect, uh, we'll do shameless plugs at the end of this, yeah. by the way. But if you want to yeah. know more about the Fleming effect, uh, DP here. And you don't mind if I call you DP, do you? No, that's fine. Well, uh, he has a fantastic uh, video where he does some discussion stuff, sort of looking at creepypasta in a very sort of literary kind of way uh also if you're a fan of professional wrestling he also has a similar discussion based around that and we might get into that at some point depending on what literary tropes pop up Mm -hmm. uh but uh yes carry on okay so i walk slowly along this trail paying close attention to everything i would stop occasionally kneel down and listen for anything or anyone but it was so quiet this was one of the this was one of the most nerve-wracking things i've ever done I don't know what to expect at the end of this trail. A dense tree uh, a dense tree line gave way to a little island of grassy field. And then I saw it, a house being consumed by the forest. From the looks of it, no one had lived there for 20 years, uh, for 20, maybe 30 years. I got my camera and snapped a few pics. Um, a few yards away from the house was a tool shed made of rusty sheet metal. I sat there among the trees for a while, absorbing everything. I didn't want to go into the open field. I had a bad feeling that something would see me. That actually, I really liked those last couple of paragraphs a lot. 
Mm-hmm. Like that, but besides being a really great descriptor, it's very similar to what we saw before. It's believable. Like I've, I've been, I've gone, um, I was um, going, I have the same cliff notes. I've walked through. <laughs> I already woods. know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah. We, we've had similar experiences and maybe not exactly the same, but that idea of stumbling upon something that's clearly abandoned. And yet there's that uh, kind of unsettling nerve. Like if I go there and check it out, is something going to jump out at me? Mm-hmm. Am I going to get, like, attacked by drug dealers or something? Like, I guess it depends on where you're from. Like, for me, it's, like, drug dealers, but. <laughs> well, this is Detroit, so. Oh, okay. Well, I guess maybe it's very similar. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, I just really, I just, I, I feel for the author in this part. Like, I totally get what he means. I had a bad feeling that something would see me. And if Creepypasta appeals to you, I guarantee you you've been on this adventure, too. Oh, yeah. You've done this exact thing. Who doesn't love a bit of urban exploring? There's something mm-hmm. amazing about the idea of these just creepy abandoned places that are slowly being overtaken by nature. I mean, look at any of the creepy pasta that exist out there that literally aren't like stories so much as just describing weird locations. There, there are a few older creepy pasta that were like that. Mm-hmm. If you go to this place at this time, a weird thing happens. That's literally all the whole story, you know? Yeah, and then um, I'd, I'd like to call back to what we were talking about earlier with, okay, we get this picture of Detroit, mm-hmm. this urban decay, 1920s, everything. Then we're focused on a computer. Then we're going on an adventure in a grassy field. Like, the context for the story keeps shifting and meandering. Mm-hmm. And so we don't know what to expect. This isn't a five-act structure. This isn't, you know, a your typical story where everything is meant to be expected. Right. This is, we're in for this adventure, you're not leaving. Right. And that's what holds your attention. It defies a lot of the norms of what a narrative kind of should be to a degree. Like, it's not not major norms, but enough that it it is disconcerting and you're like, whoa, I I don't know. I I don't know what's going to happen. And this all started with a party and a computer presumably crashing out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. I love the fact, I, I want to mention that too, is we never do find out where that computer even fell from. He just hears it. He goes to mm-hmm. the window and sees it lying on the pavement. Someone could have thrown it out of their car. It could have fallen out of a window. It, it might have even just shifted from a position it was originally standing in and like then fallen. It could have mm-hmm. been there for ages. Or someone could have walked by, placed it there, and then it shifted and fell. Yeah, that's what... <laughs> Or or a ghost could have put it there. Like, we have no idea. And then a skeleton popped out. And, put and then there. skeleton popped out. <laughs> originally, the, uh, originally, the computer was just full of nothing but skeleton porn. Oof. That's, that's too spooky that's, for me. That's, oh, yeah. You know, that, that, that's some deviant porn right there. I, I do like the occasional bonin. Oh. Oh. See what you did there. Mm-hmm. All right, well, it took me a while to muster the courage to up to the house. The door was partly opened. I pushed it in with the flashlight and was relieved that the inside was actually very well lit. I put my flashlight away, got my camera, and took a few pics, a few more pics. There was no furniture. The floor was riddled with bricks and wood and rubble, and some of the walls had huge holes in them. When I went in further to explore... I saw some things that I didn't pay much mind at the moment, but now that I think about them in hindsight, they greatly disturb me. 
Now, a, a few of those sentences in there, there, there's one, you know, grammatical mistake. Yeah. But a few of those sentences are clumsy. They, yeah. They were, they were written like someone speaking. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like just kind of someone describing a situation to you. Because usually when you're hearing someone just tell you a story, it's never going to have... It's, it usually doesn't have a huge polish to it, unless they've told it like dozens and dozens of times. Mm-hmm. You know? And so this this is very much so trying to not come off like a performance. Yeah. So um, I think... And it works that way. Uh, it definitely works that way. It's it's main, it's main maintaining its believability. Yeah. And, and again, we keep defending these grammatical and spelling mistakes and stuff it doesn't detract from the story yep fucking jeff anyway (laughs) um the first thing that seemed a little odd was that one of the doors in the first room that i presumed led to the basement seemed a little too new to be in this house it was also the only door in the house that was locked also when i made my way up to the second floor I saw some chairs and a fold-up table that also seemed a little too new to be there. But what disturbed me the most for some reason was the bathroom. The dust on the mirror had been wiped away, and in the bathtub, I saw a clear plastic tarp that still had water droplets on it from when, I presume, it was washed clean. That's when I heard something moan really loudly, and that's when I jumped the fuck out the second story and ran window and ran back to the tracks. <laughs> Oh. You, you want to just go ahead and polish it off? Yeah, you might as well finish it, huh? Uh, halfway there, I realized the moaning was most likely a water pipe expanding or contracting. And that little moment of relief gave into the horror which I had felt when I wondered why the water would be running on an abandoned house in the middle of the fucking woods. It's been a little more than two months since that happened, and I haven't gone back there, uh, nor do I plan to. And we'll never know what happened. We will never know what happened. And I You're love fucked. it. I love know. I love the anticlimax of this story. But it, and that's the thing too, is it does have a climax of like a big question. What what the fuck is going on in this house? There's what the fuck is going on with the video in association with this house? Is it even related? What the fuck? And the woman and the tarp, we, we get really fragmented bits of the story here. And we can assume the worst. We, but it, and that's the best part. We we assume the worst. We make it worse than it probably actually is. Or, but it could even be that. Or maybe even worse. Who knows? I love it. I love the fact that it's an unknown, and it make it challenges you as a reader to draw your own conclusions, and you have no choice but to draw your own conclusions. Uh, another thing I'd like to highlight is that this is multi-textual. This is text. There are the few um, images uh-huh. that go along with the story, the, the pictures that they snap, and the footage. Right. The footage uh, is at the uh, bottom of the... Uh, I'm reading this on the Creepypasta wiki, and uh, there's a part one, part two, and part three, or part four only mm-hmm. here, of uh, Barbie.avi. It says, uh, please note the original video consists of six parts, but no more than three parts were ever uploaded. Hmm. And, the, and that again... You'll never know. You'll never see the other three parts. You know? It uh, looks like they almost... Each part almost looks like it kind of varies in quality, too. Like, the mm-hmm. quality of the video that was shooting it was was bad. And you gotta wonder if the author of the story made these videos or just found the video and thought it was disconcerting and wrote about it. 
um, there's just layers upon layers of uncertainty. It's a fine onion of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. If we're going with the Shrek analogy here. Uh, where was I going with this? But yeah, since it's multi-textual, we're probably not going to get a chance to talk about um, uh, Ben Drown. I know that that's something that you're that you want to tackle, but not at this juncture. I mean, we can touch on it a little bit because I think every if if anybody people who listen to this are either curious about creepypasta or fans of creepypasta, and most fans of creepypasta know what Ben Drowned is. So I mean, if you want to make any yeah. allusions to it, I mean, feel free. But the but thing, yeah, I will since, tackle Ben Drowned at some point. Since it's um, since that is like the big behemoth of multi-textual uh, creepypasta, but there's a lot to tackle there. We can like kind of talk about it in short form here Mm -hmm. the fact that there are multiple sources to this does kind of lend credibility to it definitely now now in real life you know this doesn't hold up under scientific scrutiny but it feels like it's more serious because there are pictures and stuff yeah it um it makes it feel even more grounded than it already is because it's like uh you know pics or gtfo you know Mm -hmm. well here are the pics yeah what now sucka and does that mean that the the water pipe's working in there? No, no, but it still feels like it does. Yeah. God, this is a ten out of ten. No, I don't know. I I enjoy this one, and and I think I started to make an allusion to this earlier. To me, one of the greatest things I can think about when it comes to uh, horror is the notion that nothing is scarier. Mm-hmm. And uh, this story is a fine example of that. Hitchcock used to say that, um, imagine uh, we're looking at a room. In that room, there's a it's, a it's a sunny afternoon. There's a bunch of people sitting around. And there's a, uh, in one, at one end of the room, you know, it's, it's typical, there's a closed door. Someone comes in, someone comes into the room, not through that door, and says, there's a corpse in the other room. Now the ten- now the mood has changed, and yet nothing about the atmosphere has. We don't know if what he's saying is true or not, but suddenly everybody's attention is focused on that door and what could be behind it. Is there really a corpse behind the door? Wait, what what does that even mean? It's a good example of that, and I, it's there's nothing it, worse than what the... you imagine is behind that door. And speaking of the the door, the door in this story down at the bottom, new, out of place. Locked. We don't, we don't, yes, locked. We don't go in there. We don't see what's in there. We can only infer that people have been in this house. Mm -hmm. So presumably some people have, or a person or whatever your mind comes up with, have taken over this house, this clearly abandoned house, and they're doing something with it. What I, what I, again, what I love about it, there's nothing really overtly terrifying about the story. No. But, but it sticks with you. It sticks with you because you're just going, it, 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 anything, nothing is scarier. The fact that we only get some weird, out-of-place details and it drives you insane. You're just racking your brain going, what the fuck? What does it mean? And you never get it. And... It's beautiful. <laughs> and the that, story that that does have a handful of flaws. It it does, but you know, what still what story doesn't? Still a trailblazer. Still a trailblazer, and uh, it's just a shame that um, 
there are so many creepypasta out there that don't understand the the things that make this story work so well. Because you could just look at this and say, okay, so it's just some guy prattling on about something that presumably was probably inspired by real life. Probably. Something along these lines happened to the author of this. We know that. Yeah. We we can greatly infer that. Greatly. So so why, you know, is this interesting? All of the shit we just went over. So so some people might look at this and say, oh, that has an audience that um, is functioning. If I do the same thing, which they would, you know, just tell you about their day, maybe it'll work. And not necessarily. <laughs> uh, I don't, I, you see, I... I'm... Oh, did, you wanted to... Um... Ah, so, uh, I mean, this is, again, you, you, you talked about the Fleming effect being in, used really uh, well in this story, in addition. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what, is, is there, do you have any other closing thoughts? Or, or I think we, there's not a lot to say about this one, only just because it leaves you with so many, with more questions than answers. And that's ultimate, that's its main success right there. So that's yeah. really that's what I have to say. We, we were talking about this itch and everything. Um, this story is expressly designed not to be satisfying. Mm-hmm. And all the, other, the the creepypasta stories that we're taking issue with, like Jeff the Killer, because we always go back to that, <laughs> is uh, that story is very saccharine. Mm-hmm. That story is is designed to be satisfying to people. It's, people it... who are being bullied, people who have problems, and then you have a satisfying ending where this... Uh, you know, in the minds of the people who are its audience, is an antihero. They're they're looking at this, and he's and he's getting this justice. Like, yeah, the world drove me insane, and aren't I a cool person? Don't I deserve all the waifus in the world? <laughs> oh, like, so many waifus. It's 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 a very saccharine story, mm-hmm. as as opposed to this, which is a story that is much more primal. It's 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 real horror. It's not. It's not um, trying to satisfy you. Yeah, to me, this is real horror. This is like, this is, again, this is a story that I could show someone, and if they didn't know it in context, they go, wait, did this happen? Is this real? And so I, like, wouldn't, I wouldn't blame them for thinking that way. Reading Jeff the Killer is like eating a candy bar. Reading Barbie.avi is like going on a five-mile jog. <laughs> And I think that's the uh, the best analogy I can think of um, to uh, to close to uh, to close out our discussion on Barbie.avi. Um, and to give it a freshness rating, I'm going to say classic recipe, ten out of ten would serve again. I completely agree. All right. Um, and before we uh, we sign out for the evening of this uh, fantabulous episode. Uh, uh, where do you where where can people go to check out your own stuff, uh, Dead Palette? Uh, I don't know. You, you don't know? Probably just type Dead Palette into Google into into uh, YouTube. That should work. Uh, yeah, it, you, I'm I'm not videos about painting. Ah, <laughs> uh, and you know, and usually bizarre little um, unsettling stories, which seem to be your forte. Hmm. And uh, I, I, I am personally, uh, uh, I personally really enjoy the work, uh, partly for the same reason I like this story. 
which is why I'm really glad to have you for this one, for this particular I'm discussion. glad to be here. There's not enough um, analysis of creepypasta. There's tons of analysis of all kinds of things. Like, uh, you know, My Little Pony has a really, really robust analysis community. Why don't we? Why don't we have people who go around actually talking about this stuff? Well, with any luck... It's a damn shame. <laughs> I know. Well, we with need any luck, more of us. With any luck, we're starting something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, but yeah, thank you. And, uh, until, uh, next time, my friends, um, uh, say goodnight, DP. Uh, take care.